welcome back to our show. Welcome, everybody. This is Twanda. Hey, and this is Ramel. And today we want to thank all of our listeners because we got some very special news Woo-hoo. this week, didn't we, Twanda? We really did. Yes, we found out that our little podcast, Girl, Can I Ask You Something, has hit the um, Apple Podcast charts. We are in the United States for the category of relationships, number 171. We're number one, 171. We're number one. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so excited because there's so many podcasts out there and we actually made it to the top 200. So within six months, that's pretty dang on. Yeah, we're feeling good. Virtual high five to you, sister. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, gosh. Well, we are all excited. But today we're going to be talking about a topic that I know we wanted to bring to the forefront. Mm -hmm. Um, We are going to be talking about domestic violence um, in our youth. And to help us with this conversation, we have invited Nicolo Rodidi, who is a rape prevention education coordinator with the Durham Crisis Response Center. Thank you so much, Nicolo, for being here with us. Yeah, thank y'all for having me. This is awesome. I'm Yay. so excited for y'all. Great, like, good news, 171. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we're, we're moving on up. Exactly. <laughs> keep going up from there. That's right. That's right. So, um, Nicolo, we're excited to have you here so we can kind of run through some um, red flags and really just help educate some of our audience who probably have teenage kids um, who are dating, who are of the dating age. And I know that you're responsible for working with kids in that um, age group. Right. And you also work with not only the the youth, but you work with the kids, the people who work with youth. And we're basically representing parents. We have kids um, in college. We have kids in high school. And Ramel, you have a kid in... I have a kid in middle school. Middle school. So we Mm kind of run the gamut here. but with with young people from from middle school to to young adult, and um, so I'm excited to have you here. I think there's a lot I don't know that I'd like to know. A ton. Yeah, we always have questions. Lots yeah. of questions. So, um, should I start, Twanda? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Um, my very first question is: Can you just like let us know what is what does domestic violence look like? in our kids that are dating i mean that our teenagers what does that look like what does that mean yeah that's a really good question and you know for everyone that's listening in it's um i really love what twana said you know like i may not know but i want to know and that's such a great mm-hmm. place to ground ourselves in and domestic violence you know we hear that word and it's one of those like it's a definitely hard heavy subject it's something that you know a lot of people know a lot about they may have these pictures um but then when we get back down to the nitty-gritty explaining it people may not really understand how it how it happens or you always hear how did this happen to me or how did this happen Mm -hmm. to me why do they stay um and domestic violence we always come with harm right so someone Mm -hmm. is intentionally doing harm to someone else so i always start with like step one and so if you understand that domestic violence means that someone is harming someone else intentionally Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. then someone may ask why so then you say well 
what do they get out of harming someone? Um, I, this is something we post to, you know, classrooms. So I work with middle school, high school, and college-age youth. So this is great. We're, it's we're perfect, Romel. Exactly. Oh. It's, it's a match. It's a match. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what we say, usually we, we pull out, and then we hear the two words that we, we want to hear. And we always hear, which is awesome, power and control. Mm-hmm. If you always go back to how do I know if this is a domestic violence or abusive situation, you go back, is someone intentionally causing harm? And are they intentionally causing harm because they want power and control? So that's kind of what you see in a lot of abusive situations and harmful situations. Um, and that can occur physical or emotional. So we'll start with physical as something that a lot of people know, right? So physical right. Um, is something we say once it happens, it's, it's abuse. Um, mm-hmm. So it's not like a, emotional so emotional has to be a cycle of abuse so physical you know throwing things um vandalizing people's property is also physical abuse throwing things in a room not even at the person um is physical abuse but when it comes to emotional there's a cycle and we say that because you know we all have bad days and Mm -hmm. you may call your friend a word or you may call someone a word and eventually you may take accountability for your actions. And you apologize, right? That doesn't make you abusive. You know, calling someone, you know, you're lazy. That doesn't, you know, there's no, there's no abuse there. What starts to become a pattern where you start seeing these red flags and it becoming an emotionally abusive relationship is if there's two young adults and one mm-hmm. continues to call the other person lazy mm-hmm. and says, you're not motivated you you don't want to do anything and that's why i have to do everything for you that and they say that repeatedly and let's say they mm-hmm. say it after every success that person might have mm-hmm. and they continue mm-hmm. to say it there's there's now a reason to say that and that is to gain power and control over this person because the person who is causing this harm may feel afraid that this person may leave mm-hmm. so when it comes to emotional abuse that could be you know put down minimizing um, people's emotions that could be blaming someone. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times you hear like a spin, you know, so they like, if they're, if they're the ones in the wrong, they may be like, mm-hmm. well, I'm, I get so jealous because um, I love you so much. So mm-hmm. someone might say that if like a lot of people are talking to this person, right. They're like, mm-hmm. um, I can't talk to my friends anymore. Or like oh, another red flag could be, you know, if someone, has to go like let's say we were at you know the cafeteria in high school and I say oh hey sorry we're Mel and Wanda my partner um, doesn't actually like me hanging out with you all anymore um, they you know they think that y'all are not good friends or you know they think that y'all are trying to flirt with me um, those are some red flags because it's like why does you know why does that person feel like they need to have control or gain limited access to only mm-hmm. themselves. Um, yeah, so that's kind of the two buckets. Okay, so it's usually physical and emotional, and I know what sexual abuse yeah. is. At least I think I know what a sexual abuse yeah. But there's no sexual abuse if there's consent, right? Um, that is a great area, technically, yes. So we'll go, on, we'll go with, like, sexual abuse falls under physical abuse, so you know you have emotional and physical, but then you have all these mm-hmm. words like sexual and psychological um, okay. Okay. But, but so all those kind of fall into these two, right? Um, and sexual abuse definitely falls into it, rape. Um, and it depends on what people mean consent, you know? So that's why I say if sexual abuse doesn't occur, if there's consent, well, we need to understand like, what does that word mean to both people in the relationship? 
You know, if there's other, usually if there's sexual abuse happening, physical Mm -hmm. abuse happening, there's most likely emotional abuse happening. So pretty, if we're going back to power and control, Mm -hmm. the the person's probably not in the right state of mind or in the right place to really be giving consent. And we we talk about consent as affirmative consent, enthusiastic, yes, right away. Not, you know, saying no. And they're like, that's fine. Like, we'll take care of you. Or like, if you say no, saying like, why do you always say that? You know, you make me feel so invalidated. That type of stuff we say is not consensual because you shouldn't feel like you have to um, be kind of, honestly, like, like you're being sold. Like, you know, like in those counters mm-hmm. when you walk in a mall and someone's really trying to sell you that perfume and you're like, I really don't want this. Someone mm-hmm. should do that. That's me bit. all the time. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <my goodness>. <laughs> <laughs> Affirmative consent is a term I'm not familiar with, uh, but I get it. As soon as you said it, I was like, oh, yeah. like That makes yeah, sense. Confirmative consent, you said enthusiastic. So I have, if I'm enthusiastic about it, that's affirmative. It's not like pulling teeth like, okay, I will buy this perfume if you just leave me alone. You know, yeah. using that example, that's consent, but that's not enthusiastic at all. It's like, it, like you yeah. had to drug me into it. Right. Because what, because what we do in our work is like, you know, that one situation, probably, you know, if it, if it was pulled into, you may not mm-hmm. think about it and you may not think about it, but if it becomes a habit or, you know, it's probably connected to, to so many other things. We know that relationships, healthy relationships are built on communication and trust. And if enthusiastic consent is practiced in healthy relationships, that's awesome. But we know that mm-hmm. if it's, if enthusiastic and affirmative consent is not practiced in unhealthy relationships, there's probably other things happening in other uh-huh. healthy relationship practices, patterns, and behaviors that are not probably being in use. So that's kind of why we talk about how that might be a great area because while someone probably is giving verbal consent, mm-hmm. if they're in an unhealthy relationship, there's probably in a range of things that are happening that are causing for someone to feel a lack of trust, power, access to resources um, in their relationship. I have a question in terms of like emotional abuse. um, Mm -hmm. I've heard people use the term gaslighting. Does that come into play when you were talking about emotional abuse? Yes, absolutely. Um, Gaslighting is definitely something. So one thing that um, for people hearing being like, how does someone do this? abusers abuse because they want to it's a choice mm-hmm. and they know what they're doing they're smart since again they want power and control they're going to do mm-hmm. what they know will gain them that from the other person and one of those tactics is gaslighting um and gaslighting can look different depending on again the abuser knows their victim right so if the abuser mm-hmm. knows that gaslighting looks like blaming them for their mm-hmm. wrongdoings that's a type of gaslighting right like if someone feels has low self-esteem and if just putting blame on them, mm-hmm. like produces them being like, I'm sorry, how can I make this better for you? That's mm-hmm. one type of gaslighting, right? Another gaslighting could be um, they're in the wrong and they know that if they gaslight their partner and pull out anger, then especially, then they're like, whoa, like you're getting angry. Like look how you, look how you get, like you always get super, you know? So those type of, there's different oh. forms, right? So mm-hmm. it depends on the relationship. Again, like unhealthy relationships, even though they're unhealthy, the abuser knows the behavior of their partner and they know it well in order to manipulate it. I was going to say, so they, they look at what drives you crazy or makes you kind of unravel. Does it, it sounds like someone who is an abuser or who uses gaslighting as a technique is looking to get you emotionally 
riled up or is it that they're trying to get a rise out of you or are they trying to it sounds like a deflection fear or or is it deflection or is it a combination i mean it feels like they're trying to they kind of it's funny i'm familiar with the term gaslighting but i also Mm -hmm. created my own term in college from experience and relationships and i use the term boomerang it's like I throw it at you and say, hey, you're doing something wrong. And they found a way to throw it back at me and make it like <laughs> I was the one who did something. Who but came it, up with, yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I, I called it boomerang, but I think it feels like similar where they switch it and they put blame yeah. and they tell you something that you know is true and they make you believe it's not. And that's what I thought gaslighting was. Yeah. So, and at, language is so important, right? That like, it really depends, like, what feels good for making you understand this type of subject. And Boomerang is a really good um, source that we say we give the teens a power and control wheel, which anyone who's looking at, like, um, hearing this, you can Google teen power and control wheel and the, um, I think it's like a national center. I'm not going to say the whole acronym because I will get it wrong. But if you Google (laughs) teen power and control wheel, it'll come up and deflection, Mm -hmm. Boomerang, um, I can't remember the specific word. That is one of the the wheels in the circle. Okay. Really? Um, blaming. Yeah. Blaming <laughs> Look is, at you, is, girl. Is, um, is definitely a tactic that people use. Because to respond to your question, uh, Ramel, they're not necessarily looking to invoke emotion. They're looking to, they're looking to see whatever can reduce the control that their victim has in the relationship. Mm-hmm. So if that's gaslighting, mm-hmm. if that's, lowering their self-esteem if that's con- like isolating themselves from other people if that's mm-hmm. threats if that's social pressure um if that's financial pressure whatever they can do to mm-hmm. minimize their control in the relationship and for you to feel like you're powerless that's what right. they're doing right so okay i i wanted to and ramel if this takes you away from where he's at then we can go back to my okay. question but my my question is as a parent i have a um a daughter and two sons and they have friends. So I want to know what the red flags are. Like I, I want to know how I will, I can identify this in my children. Right. Because I think I could, but gaslight, you know, I, I might not. So it, can it you seems so complicated. Like hearing Niccolo talk about it is very, the tapestry is like, really there and intricate it seems like it would be intricate very intricate it seems like it would be really really easy as a parent to miss this so um yeah do you have some things i'm gonna be taking notes so and we're we're gonna put all this stuff in the show notes too so um yeah. So yeah. what I will start with is, like you said, it is an intricate tapestry, which again, this is why abuse is such a dangerous problem um, because abusers understand how hard it is for people to leave when you don't have power control in your relationship. When you're, mm-hmm. when you're, when you're, when you finally believe and succumb to that, usually it's already too late into the cycle. And I say cycle because what usually happens is there's a conflict point in this mm-hmm. cycle, right? So there's a conflict point. And then after that, there is um, the big climax. So, right. So after the, after like conflict happens, there's the climax. And after that, usually there's the resolution phase. And as we know, abusers do not like to actually take accountability for their actions. So usually it's a, I'm sorry, I just love you too much. Or I'm sorry that I do that. It won't ever happen again. But if you realize, and a lot of teens or parents who are hearing this, you know, um, 
that's something that's a good question to ask. Like, you know, does your partner apologize or take accountability? Because that's a really good question. You know, like being curious mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. really, really important because it allows people to t- like turn their wheels being like, actually, now that you mentioned it, they just say, I'm sorry a lot. So then after the, after the resolution phase, there's the honeymoon phase, right? Okay. The, oh, everything's fine again. Um, everything's normal. Like they're not going to do it again. And then tension build up and then it repeats itself. And it keeps repeating. So what does tension, when, what does tension build up look like? I mean, what so, is, what is that? So let's, let's give an example that we talk about that's really relevant is that one student in one of our classes didn't know that she was in an emotionally abusive relationship because her boyfriend, she was like, oh yeah, my boyfriend makes me FaceTime him every day to approve my outfits so that I can go to school. Oh, she wow. didn't, he really did not realize that that was something until we started talking about all this, that she was like, mm-hmm. wow, I need help. Um, and so let's talk about that cycle, right? So that cycle could have begun with, um, this is good with red flags because your child might not be catching it. So right. before we talk about this example, the reason why it's hard for parents to catch it is because your, your child is not looking for red flags and abusive relationship. What they're thinking is that they're falling in love for the first time. And that's right. what's really, really dangerous about this is that usually abusers are really good at the honeymoon phase. And so these cycles get ignored and, they become more intricate because the beginning phases are usually skipped, but it can mm-hmm. start off as this, right? He gets a photo from this, from this um, person in the example, and she sends him a photo and he's like, you're so beautiful. This is, this is an amazing photo. You know, you send me one every day. Like I just want, or like send me photos, not even every day, send me photos. Cause I, I want to appreciate your beauty. It could even start like that. Mm-hmm. And then one day it goes by and she forgets to send the photo. And then he texts her, hey, why don't you send me a photo? And she probably, like, for, let's say for the example, she went to a dentist's office, right? Like, we're talking about high school age. She went to a dentist's office that day and she didn't go to school, right? So why, should, why mm-hmm. did she need to send an outfit? She just went to the dentist. What if she's wearing sweatpants? And she's like, oh, you know, she's, she's probably confused about it. There's probably a moment when they're like, she's probably like, uh, I just didn't send one. So he's like, oh, yeah, just send me one every day. You know, you don't even have to worry. Like, I just want to see what you're wearing every day because I think you're beautiful. So still, a little, now we got a little, we got a little awkward there, right? But, but someone right. probably will dismiss it as, oh, that's weird. Oh, no, 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 it's okay. He just like missed me. You know, it could, right. so abusers could say words like, oh, I missed you. Or like, I just didn't see you today. So as up to now, we don't see yet what's going mm-hmm. on in like behind the scenes. Right. And then the next thing could be, she misses it again. And maybe he sees her at school with something that he did not like. Mm-hmm. And so he waits. He doesn't do it in public because abusers, mm-hmm. abusers love to abuse behind closed doors. And maybe could message her, call her, or confront her. And there's a, there's a little bit more anger, you know, saying like, um, I, I didn't know you were going to wear that today. You know, I saw guys looking at you. Um, mm-hmm. I, you know, I want you to know that you're beautiful, but like, I want to make sure that, you know, you're respecting yourself. So like, it could be language like that. And he's like, just, okay. just send me a photo every single day. And so the honeymoon phase happens. And the last one where we get to the example is... I'm already mad, by the way. Just yeah. yeah, I know, right? <laughs> I'm just, I'm like, <laughs> ooh. Right? Exactly. <laughs> so it gets to the point where the next tension buildup is he's really angry. And he's like, just FaceTime me every day so I can, so I can like, help you. So he probably is not even saying, so I can approve your outfits. It's, again, those words. So I can help you mm-hmm. put stuff on that I know that people won't look at you because they need to know that we're in a relationship. So the wording is so specific where now she does not realize that she has lost control over what she gets, she gets to wear every single day. And we just walk mm-hmm. through 
how four different cycles have gotten you up to have gotten uh-huh. up to you this abusive standpoint, you know? Girl, so that is not love. That's all I gotta say. That is exactly. not love. But Nicola, what I'm hearing is that um most young people don't even know they're being abused. I'm a parent. I wanna know. I wanna know yeah. what is it that I need to look for and, and I'm I was listening, so it sounds like I need to know what to listen for. Because they're not going to say, oh, yeah, he's abusing me or she. I imagine this goes both ways. Yeah. So, <clears throat> so they're not going to say that. I have to know what our power moves, what they look like and how they're disguised. Yeah. And then be able to identify that in my child. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm so glad you're all asking this question. And for you all and all parents listening, what we're talking about right now is called protective factors. Mm-hmm. So protective yeah. factors for a lot of teens help them to identify or be able to be like, no, you know, like instantly being mm-hmm. like, mm, this ain't it. So they, and those are social support systems. That's the biggest one. So if you have a good relationship with your child where, you know, like, let's say they were at the dentist appointment, right? Let's go back to that conversation. Mm-hmm. And let's say we were in the car and w- either one of us with a, with a youth or it's your children and, and, someone picks up the phone and is like, my partner just told me that like, I didn't send the photo today. That's really weird. Right. And so instead of getting defensive about it, because you know, a lot of times youth just want to be heard. And a lot Mm -hmm. of times we talk to youth and not with them. So Mm -hmm. curiosity and questions are really important. Asking questions because you really want to know, not asking questions because you want the answer that you want. So -hmm. being able to be like, Oh, why, why, why did he send that? like a a, a general curiosity in your Mm -hmm. voice is super important because then that curiosity transfers to the youth, to the person, the child in question. Cause then they're like, Mm -hmm. yeah, I actually, I wonder why they sent that. Hmm. So then it takes the wheel turning. Right. Or if it was the, even to the, Oh yeah. um, My partner wants me to FaceTime them every day. This is kind of weird. Right. And and so like a, a, a youth, or a child or a high school person, a student might come up to you and say that if, if there's already relationships, right? So I say, just talk to them, talk to them about non-relationship stuff. That mm-hmm. is a protective factor. If you're able to establish that, and then usually the child will start coming to you. That's the easiest method. Okay. Now the tricky part is if, and you know, not every student or child is going to do that anyways. Even if you do have a greatest relationship with them, they might be embarrassed or they might feel, or there's isolation, you know, still the amount of protective factors reduces the chances, but someone can still end up in an abusive relationship. If sure. that is happening, it's just, again, asking questions, right? Like if in a relationship, just being like, you know, what are y'all doing? You know, or like, um, where are you hanging out? And, you know, just thinking about like, are they always hanging out by themselves? Are they going out with their friends? Maybe uh, ask really good questions about like, oh yeah, do y'all hang out with your like friends? Like, have you gotten to know their friends? Have you gotten to know your partner's friends? Like, tell me mm-hmm. a little bit more. Like, so again, that curiosity piece. It's really important uh, so that you start seeing, is this person isolated? Is this, are they going only to the same places? Are they like exploring new things? Um, how does this person sound when they're talking about their, their relationship? Got you. Um, and I actually talked to my kids getting ready for the podcast. And I was actually really surprised about some of the questions that they had. I wanted to know, like, uh, do you have any friends that you know have been in a, an abusive relationship? And actually, one of my children told me yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was like, 
surprising. And um, one of the things that, that I thought they, it was a good question is how can I tell if someone is trying to manipulate me? That was one of the questions that they had, which I was really curious about too. Yeah. Is there is there some things that they can be looking for to know, like, this is just a manipulative person? Yeah, again, um, going, that, going back to protective factors, though, any parents, or if you're the youth listening, um, remember to tell them to talk to their friends and to, like, talk about it. If you feel uncomfortable, talk about it. Mm-hmm. If you don't feel comfortable talking about it, there are resources online. There's national teen hotlines to talk about it but talk about it to someone because if you go with your gut reaction if your gut reaction says i am uncomfortable about this mm-hmm. or about whatever this interaction is or something is off really mm-hmm. go with your gut your gut is the most powerful tool you have to recognize mm-hmm. these red flags you know we can talk about educating youth and parents about the red flags at the end mm-hmm. of the day it's so like we just saw with all the cycles and the examples it's really easy once you're part of that cycle for it to go super fast and for you to be like, how did I end up here? So really right. go through that reaction and talk to your friends being like, going back to the example, like it, it's really weird that my partner wants to like see photos of me every day. And then if your friends are like, um, yeah, my partner doesn't do that. Or, you know, like um, yeah. my partner values, you know, a discussion instead of being told. So like, you know, friends can, friends are a really good resource as a way to like, let your let you know that this may not be okay mm-hmm. um and just just learning the red flags obviously education is super important but red flags and, and your gut reaction and friends social support system those three well, things are super important. that leads me up to the other question they asked is if i have a friend who i see is showing all these red flags they see it right mm-hmm. but how do they what's the best way for them to approach their friend if they think that, Hey, you know, this guy is control or this girl is controlling the way you're living right now. You know, this isn't good. Um, do they just say that? Or is there some, or is there a technique that yeah. they should be employing? There definitely is a technique. I would first say the first rule of thumb, don't ever confront the abuser. That's okay. something that this is a question we hear all the time. And they, their first thing is like, I'm going to go beat that person up or I'm going to go hug <laughs> that person or I'm going to confront them. Cause that's what, and it's like, yes, we get the energy. We get that someone hurt one of your really special people in your life, but mm-hmm. understand mm-hmm. abusers abuse usually behind closed doors. So usually the question I ask is who will probably receive all the anger yes. from the abuser? You confronting mm-hmm. them. Right. The victim. Right. So first rule of thumb is to never confront the abuser. Um, mm-hmm. If you feel the person is in extreme imminent danger, you can seek help from someone, but we usually say with the permission and usually the, with the, like the, that option being from the victim. Because again, if the victim doesn't feel like they have power in the relationship, they mm-hmm. don't need someone else making decisions for them. And that's how they're going to view it. And then they're going to cut themselves off and isolate themselves more. Right. Um, so we usually say is, you know, give them options talk to them. I know that it's a really difficult time for you as a friend for doing it, but remember that you are just a friend. This isn't mm-hmm. your responsibility. And it's real. it's really hard because at the end of the day, yes, like you can probably still say, but what if that person's still getting abused? That is not your fault. That's not something you decided. So being mm-hmm. a friend is the best thing you can do. That is the answer. Being 
being there so that they feel like there's options. Usually if a victim comes up saying, you know, they're not probably going to say I'm getting abused, but they're probably going to say I'm having a difficult time or, you know, my relationship sucks. And if they say that to you, they're probably, you're probably the first ones that they're opening up to. And if they're opening up to you, it's really asking, how does your partner make you feel? Or, Mm -hmm. um, do you, what, what would you like to do? That's a powerful question. Cause remember mm-hmm. if this person does have power and control in the relationship, if they get to be told from someone, what would you like to do? That mm-hmm. to them is revolutionary with what's going on. And so they're like, what do I want to do? What do I want right. to do about this? And not pushing them into certain angles. And that's what mm-hmm. we do during the response center. And actually at, at most domestic violence, sexual assault organizations that are funded by government agencies we are trained to give options at our agencies too. We never tell someone to go report the police. We never tell someone to, you know, file a restraining order. Um, it's about giving options because usually when that's a protective factor, mm-hmm. someone may feel more confident. Okay. Well, I, I know we're, we're um, coming close on time, but I do have one more question that I really want to ask. She has all the questions. I, I have all the questions today. Love, That's love usually it. your oh job. Goodness. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> go, go ahead. Your question okay. might be in mine, so I'm going to just uh, be quiet. Get, go for it. Okay. Well, this was the other question that, actually, this was a friend of my daughter had. Um, she was like, she wanted to understand what's the difference between loyalty and being a ride to die kind of girlfriend or whatever. And um, she said, you know, she, she definitely feels that there's a difference, but she's not sure as to where it becomes harmful to be loyal versus, you know, going all the way out, so to speak, willing to risk your life basically for this person. Yeah. And so that's a really good question. And that's one thing that we say, um, boundaries. That's another thing Mm -hmm. we talk about with, 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 uh, youth Mm -hmm. boundaries, boundaries and communication. So we usually say a lot of times we start getting really riled up, like, like, especially once you know that your friends in an abusive situation, you start Mm -hmm. assuming and, and creating everything in your head because you hear everything, but usually the person's not telling you all like all the stories and they may tell you a lot of the like really hard impactful stories. And that is triggering. Even though that's not, there's a word called vicarious trauma where you may carry the trauma from another person's experience because you were told it and you're experiencing Mm -hmm. it secondhand. So a a friend might be experiencing that and you're like, Oh my God, I really have to do something because, because now you're in the mindset of I have, I have to leave the relationship even though it's not you. And so remembering that that's great. And it's great that you care about your friend a lot, but Mm -hmm. it's your friend. So that means you're also have a relationship with this person. So get those thoughts out and speak them into existence with the, with your friend and engage in a relationship. A lot of times people think that they have to make up decisions in their head about like what they think is best for the friendship without Mm -hmm. engaging with the friend. So I always say, you know, establish those boundaries. Um, that's definitely something that, um, for example, we, I know in the past someone has said like, it was really difficult because their best friend kept going back to their abuser and kept going back. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and she said, you know what? I understand that like this person has a lot of power and control over you and I'm not mm-hmm. going to judge you for not leaving, but I am going to tell you that he can't come over to my house anymore oh, or right. he can't come to me. 
Mm-hmm. So there are there are alternative ways to let someone know I'm here to still support you and I'm still your friend mm-hmm. even if you're in this abusive relationship, but I am going to put a boundary as to how much contact I have with your abuser because okay. I, I don't need it. So it's about understanding how to approach healthy boundaries for yourself, and if you do that with mm-hmm. friends, it will become a lot easier when you enter your own romantic relationships. Okay, so like I actually wasn't thinking about it from the I wasn't either. I was like, oh, that is a great response because I was thinking boundaries, yeah, right, boundaries among friends who have friends in in relationship in in, um, violent relationships. So that was a great answer. Yeah, it took me to a place I would because what I was actually um, asking was like within like a like a um, a relationship um, a couple's relationship how um is there a um how how yeah how do they tell the difference between there there being a loyal um partner Partner. opposed to being a ride-to-die partner who is willing to like you know see that's a little easier for me as a parent if i'm telling my kid my Mm -hmm. teenager who wants to be ride or die for some boyfriend or some girlfriend like no honey relationships aren't that serious right now you know you can't be ride or die for your boyfriend or for your girlfriend you know what their response is going if they're that in love that they are ride to die you know they don't care that you don't, you don't understand their love. You don't understand their love, Mom. That's fine. I'm not going to understand, but Nicola, help me out here. I'm, gonna I'm find, a parent. I'm going to find a middle ground here. Okay, because I'm okay. the parent, and if I see this going on with my kid, mm-hmm. I'm you know I'm like, you can be loyal because you get this relationship contract thing, and I get that you're practicing for the real thing and so forth. You want to learn healthy relationships, but if I see it and it's not healthy, I'm getting involved because I'm not going to support ride or die. I'm going to let this person do whatever they want because I'm going to be on that. Yeah. As a parent, I can't support that level of relationship in my teenagers. So I'm going to talk about two different things for that question. (laughs) One is um, if we had like comprehensive education Mm -hmm. ed in health Mm -hmm. classes, Mm-hmm. relationships the first relationships would look like they continue and they would be healthy until either they just keep continuing or they cease to exist because both people have grown and they're not the same person anymore and they've established that and they're like you know we're parting ways but obviously we understand that happens very little mm-hmm. in teenage relationships because there isn't they're not taught how important this is from a very young age to establish boundaries and to communicate. So then we get into these really big problems of unhealthy relationships. And when someone is unhealthy relationship, taking a step back and, you know, that is a red flag, you know, someone who does say ride or die. A lot of times if you look at it and analyzing what, you know, and so again, asking a question and I totally understand the frustration as a parent to hear that because it's like, you're 15, you're 16, you're 17. But a lot of times I am going to go with what Ramel said. Remember, we want to open up that, that trust and so saying like that's really interesting um can you explain to me what do you mean by that and like like or like so what does that what does that mean in relationship one they'll be caught off guard and two they're gonna be like wow that's like you know making them think behind the statements that they say is really Mm -hmm. important because um 
it's it's important for them to know that you you're you're going to support them in whatever they're doing, but that you are going to question because as a parent, it's important to question, right? Like we also have relationships with whoever we have, so it's important. I took to have, a note. Yeah. I took a note. You said be curious, ask questions. So I wrote that down. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Be curious and ask questions is super important when it comes um, to these type of situations because because I think what's really happening, especially with technology, you know, pop, pop culture, that's my second response to this pop culture and the media portrays really, really awful depictions. Yes. Amen. And it's really, really unfortunate. But if you think about it, they're taking, they're getting these words that virtually have no meaning anymore. Right. Like you may hear a lot of times about people saying loyalty means so much to me, ride or die. You may hear like, that's my boo. That's my forever. You mm-hmm. hear those words, but eventually words lose meaning when they're constantly being said. And when you see people going through, and you know, also people who are celebrities having to be in the spotlight all the time is exhausting too. So that it's draining for them to be known as like, I'm having relationship after relationship, right? So for them, it's exhausting, but that's how they're portrayed. And if someone is seeing people that they see as idols or role models, having different relationships over and over again and saying ride or die and I'm loyal, but then there's mm-hmm. changes or they break up or, you know, there's multiple reasons why. I see. I'm going to have to communicate. I see. Cause I'm like, Oh, we are surrounded by all of these bad examples. Yeah. I'm like, cause we in trouble. We I mean, as adults, home. we're able to like look at these examples and be like, child that's a mess no we are because we we we, we've right we're we're adults we're seasoned (laughs) but we can we can pinpoint this is a mess but for our teenagers they're just seeing it as another example of a relationship and depending on what they're seeing at home you know they might not be able to put that into perspective so um yeah. yeah, that was a. I'm glad you brought that up, Nicola. I hadn't really even thought about that aspect. And there's but, that, um, there is some media coming out that's really good, right? Like, and this isn't me advertising parents. If you hear this, if your child's watching this, like, I know that like on Netflix, Sex Education is an amazing show. There is, mm-hmm. you know, depictions of like, you know, some graphic scenes. There definitely isn't. Um, there's, I think, some brief nudity. So remembering, like, definitely look before whatever you're comfortable with your children watching. But if you, as a parent, sex education is a really good show because it's really honest, and you see people who are flawed, who then mm-hmm. take accountability for whatever they've done and mm-hmm. harm in the previous episodes. It's a very powerful show, and it talks a lot about what we're talking about right now. Um, okay. it has it has done the best job in terms of visibility with what teens are actually experiencing. Say that one more time. What is it? What, what is the show again? Sex education. On Sex Netflix. education yeah. on Netflix. Okay. It's show, All right. It, um, it's a really, really, really good show. It's um, again, there it's, it's British. So there mm-hmm. is a little bit more language in it. There is a little bit more, you know, brief nudity because it's just a more cultural acceptance. Parents thing. preview it first. Yes, exactly. And see if and, it's right for your kids and then have a conversation. Get yeah. Some, just sit back, talk to the kids. And there's moments well, in it, even if you want to show clips, like there's one specific moment between five females in this in the school who got detention because they thought that they wrote a slur on a wall, but it figured out that they weren't. But the practice, what the example for them was, what do they have in common? And a lot of them hated each other. 
And eventually what they found in common was all of them have been sexually harassed mm-hmm. by men. And, wow. and that moment was powerful because one person in particular, it just happened to her on a bus and she was too afraid to go on that bus again. And the next day, all these people who had like a lot of, te- like I'm saying like a lot of tension, they had beef. They showed up on the bus with her the next day together and they all wrote it. And so it shows how powerful it is when you are able to speak in vulnerable places and for people to receive Mm -hmm. that and be like, I hear you because it happened to me too. Mm -hmm. And that is, it's a very powerful conversation to have, you know, like being vulnerable, but also understanding one, it sucks that a lot of people have, have experienced, you know, different types of harassment, trauma, abuse, but more than likely people have, and they will be receptive to it. Um, and you know, again, protective factor, she, she spoke up and found friends in a really uncommon place. Um, and you know, the next day was able to have support when she needed it. Wow. Well, I think that is so fantastic. Thank you for sharing that with us. Yeah. Um, Hey, Nicola, really quickly, do you have, um, I know the, um, for your organization, I know they have programs and things um, that are coming up. Will you share your website or any programs that you might want to highlight for our listeners? Yeah. If you are a parent or a youth or just curious more to learn more about prevention, we're actually, you know, with COVID going on right now, a lot of what we're doing is on social media. Um, right. So you can go to DCRC underscore violence prevention, and you can find our page Um, It's definitely a new page. We have just started it again. Um, Some examples of stuff that we're doing on there is, you know, we've done um, a digital consent series talking about like privacy online. What does it mean to like share your passwords? Don't do it again, privacy, but we can talk more about that or do a deep dive. Um, And another time we've done a thrive with me series. So people understand like, this is what we're doing for coping skills. Um, And right now we're on a um, emotions series, how to, how to be able to, to communicate, clearly what you're feeling because you know a lot of times you may say i'm really happy right now but maybe you say i'm really joyful or you know you say i'm pissed but you really mean i'm yeah. frustrated you know where emotions can uh, really mm-hmm. well when you communicate so right now what we're doing is we're posting about emotions um and how do you react how do you communicate how do you cope mm-hmm. so those are the different things that we've been working on on our instagram page and again it's dcrc underscore violence prevention dot org okay Oh, that's the Instagram page. Oh, so Instagram page. My brain. Yeah. Okay. You're fine. And from there, the information about um, our specific website. And for anyone that's listening, if this has resonated with you, if you felt like you, you have unlocked a lot of things that are heavy for you, for you, know that you are not alone. There is support for you. Um, if you go to our Instagram page, there is a website. All of our services are free. That is free counseling. That is free safety planning. That is, um, a, you know, free medical assistance. If you need us to go to a hospital with you, we also have, um, an office in the court, the court system in Durham County that we can also do protective orders, um, or any legal options that you need. We are, we do have options for you. Just go on our website, call our crisis line. If you don't live in Durham County, there most likely is a domestic violence organization in your county. So just look it up. Um, and if not, there are nearby counties as well. Most likely there should be a county close to you that has an organization that can support you if you're not in Durham County. Well, Nicola, thank you so much for that. We have learned so much and there's like, 
I hate to have to stop it now, but because um, there's so much that you have let us know about, and I actually have more and more and more questions. But I know that our listeners can start off by um, getting into that information that you're going to leave with us. And um, we will definitely make sure to leave that information in our show notes so that everybody can get a hold of that. Thank you so much, Nicole. Thank you so much. This was wonderful. Appreciate it. Great conversation. All right. Well, so until next time, thank you so much coming for coming by listeners. And until next time, peace and blessings. Thanks for joining us today. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you listen to this podcast. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Girl Podcast. That's Girl with three R's. And if you want to participate in our segment, Ask Your Girlfriends, email us at girlpodcast at gmail.com. That's Girl with three R's. (laughs) So until next time, peace Peace and and blessings. blessings.